You're listening to the Jazz Session with my dad, Jason Crane. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is sponsored by Matt Rock, Murat Verdi, and Nicholas Payton. This is episode 364. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show. They're online at respectsextet.com. Thanks to Dave Rabel, who designed the show's logo. You'll find him at twitter.com slash Rabel, V-R-A-B-E-L. All About Jazz carries this show on their website, allaboutjazz.com, and if you go there and type in Jazz Session Widget in the search box, you'll find a little bit of code you can add to your website to display the latest episode of the Jazz Session. And if you do that, let me know, because I'll feature you in my newsletter, which goes out each week. You can get that newsletter by going to thejazzsession.com and clicking on Mailing List. And while you're there, please join the show. It is your membership that keeps the show going. You can join for as little as $10 a month. At the middle and upper levels, however, the next two people who join will get a free copy of Anthony Wilson's DVD CD set Seasons, which is really cool. So if you join at the middle or upper levels, either monthly or yearly, you'll get a copy of that. Please review the show in iTunes if that's how you get it, or even if you just have access to iTunes, find the Jazz Session in the iTunes Store and give it a little review. You can give it a star rating, up to five stars, and uh, a little bit of text, and it helps the show go up in the rankings, and that helps other people find it the same way you did. Also visit jasoncrane.org for my poetry. In fact, if you are a fan of uh, New York City poetry history or any of that kind of stuff, you may enjoy a poem that I posted as you're listening to this yesterday, which is about the East Village Poetry Walk, a tour through the East Village. And in fact, it includes a little bit of jazz history in there, too. Uh, it's called Throw Down Your Sock, Alan, an East Village Bestiary. So you can go to jasoncrane.org and find that. You'll also find my book there, Unexpected Sunlight, which you can purchase and I'll send to you. And now it's time for the show. My guest today is the guitarist Terry McManus. He's got a bunch of projects and a bunch of records out recently. We're going to hear something now from a solo guitar record called Brooklyn, and then my conversation with Terry McManus. Thank you. 
my guest is guitarist Terry McManus, and he's got uh, a bunch of recent recordings, including a great duo session with the drummer Jerry Hemingway, which is called Below the Surface Of, and also a solo guitar uh, EP called Brooklyn. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, so one thing that I have noticed in kind of listening to a fair amount of your playing recently um, is that you seem really attracted not only to the you know kind of tonal and melodic aspects of what the guitar can do but also to the sound like the actual i noticed there's a lot of the actual sound of the strings and the use of the actual physical properties of the guitar and you're playing i wonder first of all is that accurate an accurate characterization and if it is how did you come to kind of hear the guitar beyond the scope of just these are the notes it can make it's definitely accurate and um even actually when but when we were in the other room talking or in the other room preparing uh, on the floor above, when I turned the light on, the light bulb actually did some kind of rhythmic and and pitched thing, and and I just heard it right away. And I don't know how that happened, but I just kind of became sensitive to all these different sounds everywhere. You know, um, ceiling fans where I was, and, and actually hearing rhythmic cycles and pitches changing and stuff. And... I guess before that, um, playing with people that were thinking in those kind of ways, um, Jerry Hemingway, Herb Robertson, countless other people, these guys were able to do stuff on their instruments that I couldn't necessarily do at that point. Um, and I just wanted to investigate how could I get these other sounds to come out. And people that use their voices and their breath, that really doesn't exist on the guitar. Uh, I've tried to find ways to incorporate, you know, for example, my breath and stuff like that. But I had to just find other ways to um, make the, I don't want to say non-traditional, but things that most other instruments could do, have that be part of what I do. And also, the second part of that is just natural occurrences. Um, All the sounds that are around us, incorporating that in you being influenced by you know nature and industrial stuff and it's not it's not a gimmick it's really the way i feel i mean i've just sat there and like listened to dump trucks because it's like really interesting i mean it's it's incredible and people have made recordings of stuff like that field recordings that i never heard it but a friend of mine told me that there was like field recordings of elephants i think it was elephants doing stuff and or maybe giraffes but i mean that stuff really really interests me and I feel it's just as valid as sitting down with a pen and a paper and you know writing something in a key or a an atonal situation it's it's all sort of organizing sound it's just the way that you're organizing it so I've gotten deeper and deeper into it and as I've gotten deeper I've also pushed myself away a little bit at the same time to try to not have it too studied because if it becomes Mm -hmm. too studied in an improvised setting or a performance setting, you you might start recalling things in a, in an unnatural way, and I don't necessarily want to want to do that. Um, when I sit down for an improvised performance, a lot of times I have an idea when I go to play. I might have something might have come to my mind or something, but right before I start to play, I try to just sabotage myself and forget everything and just just it's all gone. And then just what can I do? So I might hear something or I might touch the guitar in a way you know my hand might just rub a string and then that's the start and then that's what I'm going to build on and that's what I'm going to develop so I'm just trying to be open to every possible thing that's happening 
everywhere like when I when I play. And and we could also talk about composition too because I do do a lot of other stuff besides what we're talking about right now, but sure. it's it's really important and essential to what you know what I'm trying to do. I want to explore this naturally occurring sounds uh, more. And can you try to make for the listener, um, to whatever degree it's possible, make a connection between something you might just hear in the world around you and how you then translate that into what you're able to do with the guitar? So if there was some, I mean, you gave the dub truck example, maybe that's not an example you can talk more about. But in any case, some some way that you would use something you've just come across and think about, well, okay, how can I express that through the medium of my instrument? Um, I don't know if this is the best example, but here's the first thing that comes to mind. And it's, it's, it's at this point not been solidified yet, but I was staying with a friend, and he had to print something out. Maybe it was for me. I can't quite remember. So we're in the room with the printer, and the printer starts going. And it's just making this incredible sound but it's not just the sound of a printer there was actual harmony there was the the way that the things were moving there was chords and and pitches and stuff so he he had some i think he had a studio we were in like his studio he had some recording equipment i said get a mic out and we i think we mic'd it maybe from a couple directions that we definitely had one mic on it but maybe more and we recorded it and then he emailed it to me and i said this is something that I'm going to do something with. And I, I still have the file, and I, I, I haven't, of course, done anything with it yet, but I really plan to sit there and transcribe what's happening. And again, it's like a serious... I mean, it's beautiful. And and he said, he said like, I, I, don't, I hadn't heard that before. He hadn't heard that before. And, and I said, yeah, this is like... This is some beautiful stuff, so I want to sit down and write it out. So in that situation, I could actually just sit there and write it out and play the piece as the printer played it. Mm. That's not maybe, that's sort of a really direct way to do it. Um, as in terms of an indirect way, um, you know, another example would be fans. I haven't thought any of this out. I'm just kind of like sort of going for the, There was uh, a bathroom fan, I think, in one of the apartments I lived in. And it would just make these this kind of cyclical thing with, with how it was doing its thing and you can hear pitches rubbing against each other and so in that situation I did want to actually write down what was happening and I think I might have but from a more distant standpoint just the way that the pitches were cycling I might 
have just gotten an idea to start improvising pitches with that sort of a cycle in mind. So uh, it's just more of like um, it's more of a feeling of how the pitches are moving and how they're rubbing against each other than it actually is of literally doing what what the fan was doing in that situation. But maybe another situation would be this this idea of like industrial. There's a lot of construction even around here. I don't know if you saw much of it. I mean. You know, New York City, there's scaffolding everywhere, and you hear stuff falling and banging. And, you know, I have metal implements and things that I use on the guitar and what people call like a prepared guitar situation, which I use in sort of a strict situation like that. And then also, even if I'm playing, you know, like with Jerry's quintet composed music, I, I might just break something out if I get, you know, if I get the idea to. So, that stuff will influence me because there's these things being dropped. Like there's this metal and wood and stuff being dropped. And it's obviously that those guys aren't thinking like, okay, drop it now, you drop it. It's just falling. <laughs> but it's falling in almost a composed, improvised way. But at the same time, it's it's really amazing. So that idea of these punctuations happening and never happening the same way because they're not thinking in that way is something I'll try to carry to what I do. There's a thread, but a non-repeating thread of, mm. of, for example, rhythm. And the rhythm might be like a non-pitched sound or a, or a falling kind of thing. So uh, that's, I mean, that's like a really small sample size of what I'm taking away from all this kind of stuff. And a lot of this seems to kind of harken back to the idea of music concrete and, you know, people taking found sound and creating music yeah. out of it except that you're you're taking the found sound and then translating it through the medium of an instrument that you play rather than just taking the sound itself and building pieces you know out of tape recordings of people dropping things off scaffoldings or whatever you're actually taking that and then finding a way to express it through the medium of the instrument you play mm-hmm. which seems like another kind of another step in the evolution of that idea yeah and and at, you know at the same time i don't necessarily always want it to be uh, just an end to itself. I wanted to mm-hmm. be interacting with other people. And, and like I said, such an important thing is also the correlation I saw between, you know, let's say like a tenor saxophonist or a violinist or violist and what they could do with reeds and breath or a bow and rosin that is not really done maybe that much on guitar or not done easily. And the way those sounds that the tenor saxophonist and the string player are relating to all the other stuff we're hearing outside. They might not be thinking about it, but I hear a really close relationship to all the, you know, this kind of like growly, overtony, all this kind of stuff. And I, I actually, I have an, another uh, lineage of all this that you that you asked. That's what I was trying to to translate on the guitar. And maybe one of the first times this stuff came up was. Like I said, I you know been hearing you know a little bit of you know Herb and 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 those kind of guys. Uh, I started playing with uh, Ben Gerstein and Tyshawn Sori. First, it was in Tyshawn's quintet, and then Tyshawn started a group with him and and me and Ben. And Ben wasn't in the quintet. And those guys again were both playing trombone. Tyshawn also on drums they were able to do a lot of extended technique because the instruments had sort of a lineage of it and and I just said well I need to be able to communicate 
on I need to and I want to be able to communicate in that kind of a language. And I I honestly didn't listen to any other guitar players. I really still haven't. I mean, I I don't have I have one CD with Derek Bailey. I don't have any um Fred Frith, although I've heard him play. I I just I just didn't get any of it. Not I didn't try not to, and I didn't try to. I just didn't. I just didn't get any of it. So I I just tried to figure out ways maybe of playing with those guys to figure out how to get this stuff happening. And and then you know just I got a, I think I got a bow or I might have had one but never used it. And then you know just simply putting the pick between the strings in different places and getting those kind of sounds. And then okay, well what if I don't use the pick? What if I use this piece of metal? And then what if I put the piece of metal in a different spot? And then what if I do this? And what if I do that? And then slowly you start to build up a vocabulary of what the possibility of things can do. Something that a lot of people talk about is just as you would, let's say, if you're playing chord changes, you might start out by memorizing some two five one lines. A lot of people say, well, you memorize the exact. If you put this thing here and you play this part of the guitar here, this is exactly what's going to happen. And I think that's really interesting, but I haven't necessarily done that yet. I may, but I'm a little. I question like if I have it all totally figured out, well then how am I going to surprise myself? Right. And a big part of what of my sensation of playing music is I want there to be an element of surprise that I'm maybe shaping a little bit. So I don't know 100% what's happening, but I've got an idea what's happening and I'm involved in it just like the audience is mm-hmm. because I love to go hear music and I love to play music. But I want to be surprised all the time, and I don't want to know what's going to happen, and, and that's kind of why I've led into the direction I've led into because I, I just you know I want to keep moving things around, and I don't want to be settled on anything necessarily. So yeah, it feels like if you if you had determined if I do exactly this, exactly this will happen, then you've effectively reduced the. I don't know if reduce is the right word, but you have made the extended techniques very similar to the traditional techniques because you, I mean, 
when you put your finger on this fret, you know this note will sound, or these notes could sound. You know, there's a possibility of this range if you play the harmonics or whatever. It seems like if you do that, you know, this piece of metal, and if I whack it with a stick here, this is what happens. Well, that's exactly the same yeah. thing. You've just you've added additional notes or additional sounds, but you've removed exactly what you're talking about. That right. that kind of risk taking. Mm-hmm. And it's been some of the stuff I've done has. I'm, I'm really I appreciate getting reviews and everything like that. Uh, maybe one or two people have classified it as an organized thing and it's sort of organized but it's sort of not organized too because like what we just talked about so yeah i don't for the for kind of some of those reasons i don't want to have it all totally worked out yeah because it, it would just be like you know a painting that sort of is this you paint 10 versions but it's all sort of the same thing i want I want everything to kind of be different all the time, and I don't really know what what it is, you know. At least, you know, for me at this point. <laughs> Did it feel to you like having to learn a new instrument, or like you were really, you know, almost? It happened to be the guitar you were holding in your hands, but it did it feel like a whole yeah. new. Well, it still way is. Of playing? Yeah. I mean, it still is because I I try to I do different things. Like I I hold it different ways, and um, some of the some of the best and worst feelings are when you feel like a beginner. I mean, I, I feel like a beginner a lot because I don't necessarily know what I'm going to do. And uh, just picking up the guitar and holding it, like, if you don't, if you don't, like, if you're not decided, like, we're go- I'm going to play in exactly this way, there's a lot of moment of, well, what, what exactly am I going to do? So, yeah, it, it did feel like that. And it still does because you never know as you're t- t- figuring things out and working things out. I make lots of missteps and stuff I don't want to do, but when I do that, I, and I, you know, make that part of it. Sure. So it doesn't sound like a, I, hopefully, it doesn't sound <laughs> like a mistake or it doesn't sound like some, it's, it's just a new sound and, and it's introduced into what's already happening. I mean, the same as with if you play some note you didn't want to play, if you're playing over a tune, it's the same, it's the same kind of thing. Um, but, even you know, I use effects pedals a little bit and stuff like that. Even those, I mean, I've had some of those for as long as ten years or longer. I mean, I don't even, I don't have those all figured out yet. And maybe I should, and maybe probably a lot of other people do. But you know, I can only sit there for so long, and I don't necessarily want to. I want to keep changing the knobs and seeing what the what's going to happen. And if I have everything totally figured out with, for example, a delay pedal. What's my surprise going to be when I go to to improvise with it? You know, it it might be less. You know, I don't want to maybe sincere. I don't know if that's the right word, but it might be less of a discovery and, mm. and more of uh, playing like a a precomposed kind of thing. So.
Will you talk more about how this this idea, this kind of beginner's mind idea works when, as you said before, you're maybe playing in Jerry Hemingway's quintet where you're playing composed music and there are some expectations about what needs to happen where. How do you how do you use this approach if you're able to? Well, Jerry is I'm lucky with Jerry because he's he's always in favor of the moment mm. generally and he's in favor of you know what you're hearing and he trusts I think I'm really lucky cuz I he trusts me. So I mean I take a lot of chances in his group and I think I think a lot of them pay off. Um I guess you know I I'm respectful of what he's written so I know like at certain times I, I'm going to stick to this or I'm going to stick to that. But a lot of times I will get off from what's happening but again in a sort of semi-composed semi-improvised way so it's all totally natural because I think I think you know what Jerry wants and what some of the guys want <clears throat> is they want like an element of su- surprise or an element of chance I don't necessarily think even though they've composed everything the exact way on the page that they require you to always do that if you can take what's on the page and you can be you know respectful of it and you can um make the voice change a little bit i think they're all for it because it's it's still a voice in the music you're not overtaking the music you're adding your layer is still there but you're maybe doing something a little different to it because then they're going to react differently to it if he if jerry or someone else hears this this layer slightly changing or getting off in a in an in a, a way that is that everyone's aware of well then that might make him do something different and he might really like that and that might make someone else do something different so <clears throat> you have to you know you have to know what's going on around you and and you have to know who you're playing with i mean sometimes if i'm playing with someone for the first time i'm i may not do that but I, or i may i mean if i get like the vibe if everything's okay then i might just just go for it and just see what happens um i is that sort of yeah absolutely i think the, that makes a lot of sense yeah, and then, uh, for example, on the, uh, I'm interested in the process of, uh, to pick an example of music I've heard a lot, the the duo album with you and Jerry, and how that was kind of realized, and how you, you know, kind of navigate each other in the moment, because I think it's very successful. But it sounds like uh, it sounds like there's a lot of in the moment navigation happening, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. I, that was a while ago. I, um, yeah, we didn't talk about anything. You know, that all happened really quickly because we didn't meet until the last the last quarter or the last third of 2007 Mm. but just right away we sort of instantly sort of connected because i think we share a lot of the same sensibilities sure we're quite different in age but we we share a lot of the same tastes and different things and and we we have different tastes in some things but you know we sort of are interested in what the other is doing so again like i talked about the kind of trust i I think that he trusted me fairly quickly and so we we did this duo recording and maybe we talked about a a little bit but we really didn't talk about much at all i mean maybe we would play a little bit and then he would say what about this what about that but i think that happened very very little on that sure it was really just just playing and and but you get sort of a wide you know, range of things on there that it really sort of runs all over the place and in a good way. Yeah.
Can you talk about some of the things that are happening for you currently, some of uh, the projects and ensembles you've got together? Sure, yeah. Um, well, let me think. Uh, we've got this performance coming up on Wednesday, uh, April 18th, and it's, uh, I had, a, um, a, I had and, and still it exists, we just haven't done anything in a while, a quintet, which started out as a trio, and that was with Jerry Hemingway and Ellery Esklin, and I was calling it The Dream of the Ants, and uh, I wrote a one-hour through-composed piece mm. with <clears throat> alternating sections of composed, more heavily composed and more heavily improvised sections. So it was like six sections or so. And we played that a couple times as a trio. And then we I added um, Matt Maneri and Russ Lossing for a performance and that went really well. And I'd still like to record that piece in that configuration. One of the problems for me is I like so many different configurations and so many different things I can't sometimes decide. So we've done that as a trio and as a quintet and I've performed the piece solo and I like all three ways. Oh wow. <laughs> and I sort of want to record all three and put it out there. But I mean, from a business point of view, well, wait, do you make a three CD set? Do you release one every two years? How do you do it? I right. mean, I, I have to think like that, but I sort of don't want to because I just kind of, I like it all. So, so that's the, the genesis of this band. And now this band is with uh, Ellery and Matt and Billy Mintz. And, you know, Jerry lives in Switzerland, so he's not around that much. And I've been playing with Billy a little bit over the past f few years, just a couple times. But we've actually kind of become really friendly. And, and he's, you know, he's a great drummer and really, really sensitive. So I would say that this ensemble kind of is sort of like related to that one, um, in a in a sense, and a lot of the projects I'm involved in don't have bass, and so the, here's another one that don't have bass. And there's a couple of reasons for that, and it's nothing I've ever thought about really hard. But you know, it it frees up certain frequencies, and it allows other stuff to happen. So this will be like a really interesting combination, I think. Of it's composed material, but there's going to be a, a really improvised sense to it, and, and sort of a classical I shouldn't even say that <laughs> but there's there's elements of uh, of some of the stuff I like you know minimalism and different kind of things I I, I don't like sort of describing it because I'm not very good at describing it but hopefully it, it'll it'll be sort of it'll be good and I'm, I'm curious to see if it's what I have in mind or not
So in this case, when you're using the word composed, can you say a little more about that? What will actually be in front of the musicians? Well, there'll be, you know, there'll be actual manuscripts with notes on it and stuff. Again, one of the dilemmas I always face is I'm fortunate to play with these guys. You know, I'm, I'm really lucky to be, I mean, these are great musicians. So I don't want to tell them what to do too much. I have some ideas and, you know, melodic ideas and harmonic ideas but I don't want to. I don't want to have it and say this is what I want you to do. I almost. I really want to say, well, here's a, sort of an, an impressionistic picture of what I want. But you're really free to do what you want. You know, here's here's what's kind of what I have envisioned. But if you come across something else, do that. You know, I would. I really want that more. So I keep stripping everything down. You know, I have these pieces, and I. For example, on one piece, I wrote out all the parts, but then I'm going to write in, you know, with words. Do this one or two times, but then, you know, figure something else out. Take it and let it go somewhere else with it. Because, I, again, I want it to sound borderline improvised and composed. I, mm. I don't want it to sound composed to the point where you can start predicting all the movements and everything like that. So do these pieces have forms? Is there some way, I mean, do they have a, you know, it goes from this part to this part to this part, and, and here's where this is going to happen? Yes, theoretically. <laughs> um, I'm not, and, and again, maybe it might sound a little complex in terms of how I'm describing it, but I, I really, I don't want it to sound complex in a form kind of way. I want it sure. to sound, I do want it to be complex in like a, a human way. Like I want it to really be, you know, comp deep music, but I don't want it to be so much so that it's hard to interpret for everybody. So that's the, the, the line I'm kind of walking mm -hmm. is how to get the sound I want out by giving them the least bit of information so that their, their personalities can come out on the music. But yes, there, there are forms, there are repeats, there are sections of improvised, you know, you solo, but I'm always trying to change that. If there's like a, for example, a solo for Ellery, well, you know, that doesn't mean that Matt and I can also improvise during that or we have to stick to some ostinato or something. We can cross paths and we can go up and down in waves and I'm trying to negotiate that whole thing. At the same time, I do want this project to maybe be a little bit more um, about some of my composed ideas because a lot of the stuff I've done recently has been totally improvised. There's been a couple things with my composers, but I, I don't think... Um, maybe my composed music is as well known as I might like it to be. So even though all that stuff, my improvising kind of takes from all the comp composed ideas. So I do want compositions to be featured a little, uh, just a little bit, but again, not for the idea of the composition, but the sound of the whole thing, mm -hmm. e even though it'll be, it'll be, you know, to main, it's not going to be prepared, a ton of prepared guitar and all that kind of stuff. So, and is uh, is any one of these pieces could it be played by any group of people, or are they written with, for example, in this case, these Matt and Ellery and Billy specifically in mind? Any? I think the, the answer to the, is yes for both. Yeah, I think it could be it could be played by anybody. But for example, like if I'm writing a, a particular section, the arrangement or the orchestration might be um, informed by who I'm playing with. So I, I have an idea of what Matt sounds like. So I know if I give him this note or if I give him this line, that's going to have this character. And if I, if I do the same for Ellery, it's going to have 
a certain character. And if we're playing on this piece and there's a section where I want someone to be improvising in a, in a way that's a little bit more standing out, you know, it's, it's like a solo, but not in the traditional sense. Well, you know, maybe Ellery on here might be the right thing. So I, I am thinking in those kind of terms. And the same thing with Billy. You know, there's one piece I picked out, a really simple piece, and it's because I know, or, or I think I know his cymbal sound. And, and I said, we're well, just hearing that sound for a long time. I would like to just hear that sound, and this would be a good thing to hear that sound. So a lot of it is kind of like what I want to hear. I want to hear right. his cymbal <laughs> sound, so let's, let's play this piece because I want to hear it. I want to hear, you know, I want to hear Ellery play, and so I'll give him a section here. You know, I mean, I'm trying to do something for people, but I'm also trying to do something for myself because I want to hear these guys' sounds. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I think people often forget that a part of putting a band together is you also getting to hear it and getting to hear these yeah. people that you selected play your music. Well, that's, I mean, that's a large majority of the way I, I'm trying to play with a small, you know, a circle of people, but I don't really necessarily have a one band. You know, a lot of people have a band or two bands that play regularly. And, you know, right now I, I have a couple, like Jerry's Project, Jerry and I have a duo. I have a duo with John Bear, And we play semi-regularly, but it's not that much. But, yeah, I do like to hear people and I do put a group together based on sometimes, you know, I want to hear this person in this situation and that's what I want to get out of it. It's the same thing as I said before of, of playing compositions. At, at this point, having, you know, playing with the same band every time, I don't know, maybe that might not be the right thing for right now. Maybe the right thing is to play with a circle of people, but keep mixing and matching the pieces and keep finding these different, um, these different people and how they react to it. I, I did a gig with, um, well, even the gig with that I was talking about with the quintet that I put together, I mean, it was really interesting. He, I don't know, I don't think those guys had ever played together, as they definitely hadn't as a group, I don't think. I don't know if Jerry had played with Matt, and I don't know if Jerry had played with Russ, and I don't know if Ellery had played with Russ. I mean, it was great to like hear all those guys play together. and. At a at a show like for example at the show coming up, how much information do you think you'll give the listeners about what's happening, and and what do you need the listeners to kind of bring to the to the table, so to speak? Well, I gave you that little poster, and yeah. I, I sort of had this little convoluted description up on top, which is basically just trying to confuse everybody so they don't really have any expectation <laughs> of what's going to happen. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't want to have any expectation except um, it's it's like an, I want it to be you know like in a sense like a sonic bath. You know, you just go in and you sit down and you you just uh, and that can be slow moving stuff. It can be fast moving stuff. But I mean, that's the main thing: the sound for me. Um, I, I I mean, I really don't. I don't know what's gonna. I don't know what's gonna. What's gonna occur in in those in those terms? I sometimes I, I very rarely say anything in terms of you know origins of pieces or anything mm -hmm. like that. I mean, some of the music that we're going to be playing is quite old, but I keep rearranging things. I heard someone say that once that how they had they were taking their music and they just kept writing new iterations of it, and 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 I'm sort of into that because I don't generally like to sit down and force myself to compose. I like to compose if I get the spark or something so if i can take an old piece and keep changing it well then that's that's good because the piece isn't dead it's being used and and that's happening in a, on a couple of these pieces i mean one of them is like i think at least 10 years old but every two or three years i keep adding to it a little bit and keep changing it so it's sort of a totally different piece every time not to mention that unlike repertory music i mean even if you did nothing to it putting it in the hands of a different group of improvisers every time would render it a very different piece of music. Sure. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've done that too much where I've actually given them the music and not said anything. Yeah. Because I think I, if I did do that once or twice, maybe it wasn't so, especially if guys have never played together before. If you were in a band of musicians that were playing together a lot and then you just put something in front of them and you didn't talk about it, that might be one thing. But when you're playing with sometimes people and they, they haven't played together that much or at all, I think they do want some direction, you know. A lot of times for me, I don't want any direction, but I get the sense that other people do want a direction. So I try to provide some kind of thing to like just make them feel comfortable, even though I might not want to tell them anything. Right. <laughs> they they do. So sometimes I'll say, I can tell. Well, they want. To, okay, so we'll do this thing. Um, and then once they're comfortable, I go, or anything else, you know, right. or, 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 or something else. I mean, I think I've actually written that, you know, play these notes or any other notes. <laughs> That's <laughs> because, beautiful. Yeah. Well, I really I mean, like it's that. The way, like, it's, it's what I think, you know. Yeah. You, if you want to start somewhere, you can start with these notes and, or you can start some other place. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah. And, and people, it's funny because sometimes the people whose music I'm really into or the musicians who I think will get a kick out of that are actually the guys that are really puzzled by it. Like, well, wait a minute. What do you, they're sort of being literal when I had the idea, well, they weren't that kind of, that, that literal. Yeah. You know? <laughs> can you say more about, you said a little bit about this in the beginning, but can you say more about your own uh, kind of awakening or awareness of, this kind of playing, this approach to playing, this idea about uh, boundaryless or at least very expansive boundaries to music. I mean, it's just not how, you know, kids may play that way, but then once you start taking lessons and those kinds of things, it's usually a much more structured approach to right. this is how it sounds, this is how when it sounds right, those kinds of things. Yeah. And you are talking sure. about something very So many ideas are coming to mind. And actually, as you talk about kids, that's some of my favorite stuff is actually hearing a child play and even though I have to correct some part of what they might be doing that's wrong 
by virtue of the fact that they're doing something technically the wrong way, they are getting some interesting sound happening. Even if it's just, I'll give you a really good example. I, I heard there was a teacher teaching drums and the student just could not play it in time. It, it was just a simple groove and he just, he just couldn't do it. I mean, who knows? He could have been five, he could have been 10, I don't, 12, I don't know how old he was. I couldn't see in the door. But the teacher was probably trying to teach the student how to accurately do it. And I understand that, but at the same time, it sounded so good because it was wrong that I would have said to the student, which this person very very well might have, let's record this because this is really hip. This is really good. It's not what's on the page there, so maybe you should play what's, you should be able to play what's on the page, but don't abandon this either because this is really good and here's why it's good and here's how you're staggering things and here's how you're stretching things out. But, so, even some stuff like that is inspirational. Mm. The the trying to do something the right way but just not being able to and some other thing coming out. Yeah, I try to trick myself into doing that a lot of times. The music is on the page. I can play what's there. But can I do something to cripple myself a little bit so that it's off somehow? Because if everything is always lined up, the right way well then you know that's could be fine it could be fine but i i don't i like the um i like the part of it where stuff is maybe misaligned a little bit because there's a, like a real beauty in that um i think this will answer some of your question too going back a long time like over 10 years what i started here like the music of reich well that stuff can start out pretty simple with just a, a simple line but then as the things get off from each other you get this magic. And he, I, I mean, I don't know him. I, I wish I'd, I'd like to, but I don't know him at all. I'm sure he's got this in, a, in an organized sense where he knows the effect of moving parts by certain distances and everything like that. And so maybe it's less of a surprise to him. Although I've also heard him say that sometimes he just plays back tape loops of things and waits till he hears something that sounds cool. Like he'll take a little bit of speech and a little bit of speech, and he plays those loops till he hears something that rubs up against each other in a way that he likes. So mm -hmm. it's kind of less... And then maybe he'll take that and say, okay, now I'm going to notate that and make it happen again or figure out why it happened and make it happen again. But it sounds like some of the... At least some of the origin of the composition can come from a place of... like. Let, let it play and I'll get right. to a bit I like. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I'd heard that before, but that could be very well be. And that's something that is important to me too. Those, those kind of moments mm -hmm. and I, the misalignments, but you're, you know, I'm aware of the misalignment, but I don't know. There's something, I think, I think what it comes down to is when stuff gets in that situation you have to let go of everything and until you can let go of everything you you're there's this whole world i think maybe that's uh that's there so when you're when you're really holding on to playing stuff you know like i'm making the changes every bar i'm hitting this change i'm hitting this change well once you let go of that then you really it really opens up and you really feel this this kind of thing I'm talking about, um, you know, I I do play like straight ahead music too, and some of the best times of my life were in this point where I started to just it, it just all started to become like I said blurry, 
you know, the, the bar lines started to get blurry, the, the quarter notes start, everything started to get a little blurry. Because then you could mix the blurry with the literal, and you can go back and forth, and and, and it just, it, I don't know, it just was incredible. And classical music too, these Bartok string quartets that I had heard, it, it was all composed, but it didn't sound, it didn't sound like that. It sounded improvised, and it sounded, you know, this sense of this kind of euphoric sense of blurriness when, when you don't know what's happening you just you let everything go and you're just like oh, i don't know what's happening and it's it's incredible and that's kind of what i want if i'm playing stomping at the savoy i want people to feel that you know i, I might be playing really literally in time in inside me but in i'm also trying to get outside of that so that people can let go of maybe that sensation of the repetitive corner note and, and get some other kind of strain that's happening and just get lost i mean that's the thing just getting lost which i think is great because it, i think it it gives the lie even to that concept of misaligned i mean that in one in one sense yes there are things on paper and it could be that in fact where where any one person is playing the beat is misaligned compared to what's written down but there's also a sense in which that alignment itself is also completely a human construct and there is no in fact misalignment there are just different ways to sure. make things go together. Yeah. I, I just, I'm always a fan of things that try to push us out of what we are very used to and safe with hearing, even though I sometimes like just a great, you know, four groove and off we go too. But it's really fun to hear people do things that you can tell they're surprised by. Right. Also. And well, it, two, I think two things that you just said, um, you have to remind me the first thing because now I forgot it, but you, when you said just listening to like a four four groove, I listen to a lot of what, you know, my peers might be considered, you know, commercial or traditional music. I mean, just you know, rock. But when that, if you listen really closely, I mean, a lot of that stuff is kind of what we're talking about. If you listen to you know like some Van Halen guitar solos, and th there's a lot of, you know, fuzzy stuff happening and. Just over time, I think maybe people, I don't know, maybe they're not aware of it or listening to that, that closely to it, but it, it, is in, it is in so many kind of music. It's not just in contemporary improvised right. music or, <laughs> or 21st century classical music. It's, right. in, you know, it's in like Al Green, it's in Marvin Gaye, it's yeah. in everything. And Try to find the one in an acoustic blues tune being performed and sung by somebody in the 20s, yeah. for example, well, right? where the bar lines are... I heard this great story length. where somebody, one of those guys was being interviewed, and this is like, there's these, I don't want to say this is one of those kind of pinnacles, but there, there are, like if I traced it back, probably 10, 5, 10, 15 really key points in, in my life, and I don't know if this is one of them, but it, this made a lot of sense. They were interviewing an old blues musician, and, and they said, "Well, somebody raised his hand, I think, and said, well, when do you go to the when do you, how do you know when to go to the four chord?'" And he goes, I "I'll clean it up for, for radio, but he we're says, not on radio, so you don't oh, have to clean yeah. it up." He goes, I go to the four chord when I feel like it, <laughs> and yeah, and that's what I teach young students. You know, yeah, you go to the you go to the four chord on on this beat on this measure, but you don't have to. That's what people have done and that's what happens all the time but you don't have, you, you, there's no law that says you have to you don't have to and take that in a larger sense everything i'm giving you understand it but you don't have to do any of it but once you understand what everything is then you can understand that you don't have to do it but until you maybe understand some things then you can't 
know that you don't have to do them. Is it the case, though, that you only have the luxury to not do them if you're playing in an environment where those are the agreed-upon rules? I mean, you can't... Can you not do them if you everyone else in the band is doing them? Yeah, it depends. Mm. It's possibly, yeah. I mean, it just depends. You know, I've... I think I've played some gigs with maybe some people that um, there's lots of different levels of it. They might have been hearing what I was doing and maybe they didn't want to or couldn't react to it or they did hear what I was doing and they, they just didn't choose to react to it or they didn't hear what I was doing. I think in every situation you can make it work. I think I think you can. I mean, I, I think there's a way to do it, hmm. you know. Um, and I think there's a way to not make it sound bad. There's a way to for the rest of the band to go to the four chord and me to go somewhere else and to actually make it work. And that's one of the hardest things is how, well, how do you do that? That, that's, that's the real lesson, uh, you know, for me is, is that kind of, that kind of thinking. And what was the thing you said before that? Cause it was. Before that, I was just talking about the fact that, uh, it may be misaligned compared to oh, the right. paper, but that's a construct yeah. of ours too. I guess misaligned might be, the wrong word, maybe it's disaligned or, right. <laughs> or purposefully misaligned. Yeah. But yeah, and, and, you know, all of these things I'm talking about, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface on everything. I mean, on all the things I really like, I feel like I'm just always scratching the surface. So African music, I've checked out a good deal of. I don't know enough about it, you know, but I know I've checked out the way things line up. And, you know, you start counting and then, you're you're tapping the the chord note is there, but you have no I just what, what's happening here. And on one sense, I'm mad at myself because I don't know what's going on. But in another sense, I'm like I I don't care. And that's kind of, that's the same kind of thing that we're talking about. Yeah. You know, it's not misaligned, but things are happening in these odd spots, and it's this beauty is unfolding. And you you do have to know what's happening and where you are, but then at some point, you don't have to. And that's um. That that stuff is is, yeah, no one might ever know it, but that I bring that to a lot of my music. That some of those sensibilities of interlocking things from African music. I mean, I've I've thought a lot about the interlocking parts, and then no one ever knows I think about that because I take the interlocking parts and I expand them so much that you never hear the way that they initially interlocked. But that's just the way it works out. I mean, that's just the, the way I was hearing it.
Um, before we close, we remind people again, and I'll remind folks first that this is the year 2012, in case you're listening to this 50 years in the future. Uh, in 2012, we remind folks about the upcoming gig. Sure. Wednesday, April 18th at the Brooklyn Conservatory of Music is my quartet with um, Ellery Escalin, Matt Maneri, and Billy Mintz. Also, I believe April 27th is a Friday night um, at the Douglas Street Music Collective is going to be, there's a series happening, and I think this is the 15th or 14th installment, and uh, I'm going to be playing a solo concert on that. I, there's three sets on that of, of you know other people. Also, um, on May 8th, Tuesday night at Corzo, there's a conception series, and I'm going to be playing duo with Mark Dresser, and we have a, a really brief but rich history. Uh, we've just met within the last couple of months, but we've sh- struck up like a really nice rapport, and we've never played together, but we've talked a lot, and we share a lot of the same stuff, so I think it's going to be, and I, you, I'm sure you know Mark's music, sure. right? So everything he's doing, you know, obviously I'm way into, so I think it's going to be some nice... I've only met him really for the first time in, I think, October, the end of October, beginning of November, so it's going to be really, I think, hopefully really good. That's exciting. Um, and uh, not that anyone, well, maybe people might know, uh, Jerry's group is going to be doing some touring, so we're going to be in Austria and um, Austria and Switzerland in late August, and then we're going all over Europe in the end of October and November. With, with his content for Great. like two weeks. And so. there are as many listeners to the show in Europe as there are in the U.S., okay. if, if not more. So uh, folks right. in Europe, make sure you check out the tour dates. So. Yep, and my website, I should say, is, is my name, Terrence, T-E-R-R-E-N-C-E dash McManus, M-C-M-A-N-U-S dot com. And there's all kinds of information up there, and I am constantly adding to it. And uh, so please check it out and... That's great. And if uh, if you're in the car or anything and you can't write that down, just head to thejazzsession.com and check out the show notes for this episode, and you'll find links uh, to all of Terry's stuff. Well, my guest is uh, Terrence or Terry McManus. Uh, it's man, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I've really enjoyed hearing the way you think about music. It's really uh, it's very exciting to hear. Yeah, thanks. Thanks well, for being we'll on the show. Do it again in two years. Absolutely. There's a lot more to talk about. <laughs> That's great. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks.
That's music from Terry McManus. Great to have him on the show. This is The Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The show is sponsored by Matt Rock, Murat Verdi, and Nicholas Payton. And, of course, it's supported by you and your membership. So please become a member. Go to thejazzsession.com slash join right now and sign up for as little as $10 a month. And then get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session.